Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, something happens when you connect your faith to what God says. Amen? When you connect your heart with it, it's empower- It's powerful. Well, I wish we could just do that every morning, what we did in worship today. We should just meet here every morning, and let's do that. And uh, God is good. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, well, the title of this message today is Prophetic Promises. Uh, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. Thank you that you are such an amazing powerful, awesome, loving Father that looks at us as little children, that you adore us, that you are just welcoming us into your lap. God, we look at the story of the prodigal son, and even when we feel like we've gone way astray, you, the Father, are welcoming us back in with loving arms and inviting us into the party. So, Father, we just, we want to step into the party today. God, we don't don't want to... uh, Linger outside the kingdom doors, feeling unworthy. But God, you're welcoming us in to the joy of celebration, just like the prodigal son. You welcomed him into the joy of celebration. So God, we just pray that we connect our hearts with what you say about us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to declare to you today, I want to prophesy over you for a second. Um, God is awakening dreams inside your heart. I declare that over you this morning. God is awakening dreams, and I specifically felt like the Lord saying, I'm awakening dreams inside the hearts of the people at Awaken Life Church. Like things that you've given up on, things that you've lost hope for, God is awakening something inside of your heart, and he's going to resurrect some things that you've maybe set down, and he's going to bring new things to mind. So let's, let's just do this. Let's just pray that in. So just put your hand on your, on your heart this morning. So, Father, I just say, go Holy Spirit right now, that you're just awakening dreams in the hearts of the people. God, that you're breaking the strongholds that have been speaking to the people against what you say about them and what you've said about their destiny. So we just break those strongholds, and I release vision and dreams coming up again, hope, new hope springing up in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree, say, I agree. agree. Amen. So we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 15. And uh, if you want to open your Bibles or your iPhones or your Android, I don't want to leave the Android people out. They'll get mad at me. Uh, We're going to be in Genesis 15, and I'm going to be reading uh, NASB, NASBA, New American Standard if you want to follow along in your digital version. So we're going to start Genesis 15. We're going to start verse 1. We're going to read through verse 7. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. 
Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to possess it. So go back to verse 1. The Lord says, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. Three things. The Lord told him three things. Do not fear. I will protect you, and I will reward you. So it's two, one command and two promises. Do not fear is the command. and Two promises. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to reward you. And I, I want to tell you this morning, if you don't already know this, but you are under the blessings of Abraham. The Lord is saying the same thing over you this morning. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's descendants according to the promise. Heirs according to the promise. So the Lord is saying the same things over you today. He's saying, do not fear. No matter what you're going through, no matter if you're in a a financial hardship or if you're in a, a health issue, the Lord's word over you this morning is, do not fear. Whatever it is. The Lord is saying, do not fear, do not fear. And he's given you these promises. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to reward you. He told Abraham, I'm going to reward you. You have God's grace on your life. Grace means unmerited favor. Unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Do you know what the difference between mercy and grace is? Mercy means I don't get what I deserve. Grace means you get what you don't deserve. This is grace. God's not just giving you mercy and you're not getting what you deserve, but he's giving you grace, which means you get what you don't deserve. He's saying, I'm going to reward you. And it has nothing to do with what you have done, what you're able to do in your own strength, and what you're able to do and earn from works. He's like, I'm going to reward you because your faith is in Jesus. So you have God's grace on your life. It's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, and you should start to expect that in your life. I'm going to get unearned favor. You have permission to start to expect unmerited favor no matter where you're going. I remember... uh, when we started going to church, this would be about, man, how many years ago? Carry the one, yeah. <laughs> Probably about 17 years ago. Um, I remember uh, our pastor at the time, he prayed over us. He, we, were, we came up for the altar, uh, for like an altar call. And he prayed over us and said, he's just praying, you know, Lord, bless their family and, and praying. And then he just, at, at random, he goes, Lord, and even just bless them, give them like favor with parking spots. And he would always talk about, this was, a, some of you know who I'm talking about. He would always talk about, I get like the best parking spots everywhere I go. And he's like, Lord, just bless them with parking spaces. I promise you, you can ask my wife. It was about six months. Everywhere we went, we had front row parking after that. 
Everywhere we went, it was like we would just laugh. And even a, a few times, I remember we'd pull in somewhere and all the front rows would be, would be taken and we'd be like, oh, maybe the streak's ending. And someone would pull out like, <laughs> right, and we're like, there's our spot right there. So it was, you know, I don't know how that works, but we had unmerited favor. We had favor just everywhere we go with parking spaces. Do it again, Lord. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. So God's given you unmerited favor. Let's read verse 2. We're going to read verse 2 and 3 again. It says, Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring, and, and one born in my house is my heir. So what's interesting there is Abraham asked God a question. Do you know that it's okay to ask God questions? Abraham had this dialogue, and he asked the Lord a question. Lord, what will you give me? It's okay to ask the Lord for, him, for things. And I feel like some of, some of people in here, you may have lost hope. You may have had seasons where in the past where you've asked for something, and it didn't happen. And you've kind of like, your hope has actually been diminished. And you're afraid to like ask. You're like, well, you know, this, these subtle lies start creeping in. And sometimes it's really seasoned Christians, like 20 years, 30 years, and you, and you start to see when you're around them that there's these subtle lies that have crept in over the years. Like, well, God does, doesn't always answer prayer. You know, sometimes, you know, and it's this hopelessness that starts to come in. And, and it diminishes your faith. And so I want to encourage you, don't stop asking. Don't stop asking God. One of the biggest traps of the enemy is to get you to lose hope and stop asking. And sometimes it sounds spiritual. We can code it in this spiritual coding like, well, you know, the Lord doesn't always, and sometimes this and sometimes that. And we can make it sound spiritual. But the Lord wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. James 4.2 says, you have not because you do not ask. You ask not. Psalm 2.8 says, ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the very earth, the very ends of the earth as your possession. That scripture should challenge us. It challenges me. That's like, okay, it's saying like, don't ask down here. Ask up here. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I love the story of Heidi Baker. She'd been through years of ministry and she was burnt out. And, and the Lord started doing this deep work. She's ready to quit. And she's, her thing was she's like, I'm ready to just go work at Walmart. Like, I've done 20 years of missions. I did my, I did my job. Now I'm going to go work at Walmart. And she goes to the Toronto Revival. And um, something starts burning inside her heart as she's sitting in the congregation. And it's just like welling up. And the preacher on the stage, he goes, the Lord's giving someone Mozambique. And she runs to the front. She knew it was her. She runs to the front. She's like, yes, Lord. Like, imagine in, in a room like this, there are probably more people, and she didn't care. She ran to the front and just, like, prostrated on the ground, said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And now, if you know what's happening in her ministry, they have 100% deaf ears opened in Mozambique. They'll go into vi villages that have never heard the name Jesus and, sh and she'll say, bring everybody in the village that's deaf, and every single one of them gets healed. And then all those little, usually it's children that got healed, she'll have them start praying for people, and they'll get healed. And the whole village converts to Jesus. They plant a church, and they'll be there for three, four months, and then they move on. It's like crazy what God's done. 
But God wants us to ask big. Ask of me, I'll surely give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. God wants you to ask, and I encourage you, especially in this next season, to ask big. If you're asking for things that you know you can accomplish, you're asking too small. I encourage you to ask for things that you know, unless God shows up, I can't, this won't happen. Ask big. This is a season where God's awakening dreams inside of your heart, but you need to partner with that, and you need to begin to ask big. Ask for things that are bigger than you. Ask for things that you know you can't do on your own. Let's read verse 4 and 5. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this is God's response. Abraham says, God, I have no children, so my servant's going to be my heir. God says this, this man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. You know, what struck me about that is sometimes we think the promise is going to come from outside of us, from somebody else, and God says, no, it's going to come from your own body. Sometimes we just start to think, well, this isn't going to happen unless somebody else does it, and God is saying, no, it's going to come forth from you. It's going to spring out of your own life. But one will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside, and he said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. He realized this is a crazy promise. He's old, his wife's old, she's past childbearing years, and God's saying, look at the stars, everything that you can see out there, your descendants are gonna be more than that. This is like, it would seem ridiculous to him. He just told God, I don't have kids, so my heir is gonna be this servant, and he says, no, you're gonna have, through your own children, through your own body, you're gonna have more children and more descendants than the stars that you can see right now. God gave Abraham a promise, but he didn't stop with a promise. He took him outside and he asked him to imagine it, to visualize it. And he said, see that? You're going to have more than that. There's something to that. He wanted him to see it. He didn't want him to just partner with it and agree with it, but he wanted him to actually visualize it and get a picture of it. Amen? God wants you to actually begin to visualize the promises that he's, that he's put in your life. God wanted Abraham to imagine what it was going to look like. What are the promises that God's given you? What's he spoken over your life? He wants you to start picturing yourself inside that promise. You have permission to start using your sanctified imagination to walk around inside those promises. What's this going to look like when it happens? You need to start to partner visually with God's promises over your life. Partner with it. Agree with it, declare it, and start to visualize it. Start to step around and walk around in it. Use your imagination to start to see yourself already there. Start to imagine what it's going to look like. If God's calling you to pray for people for healing, start imagining yourself laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. Start to just picture that. Start to picture that you're just doing that. If you have sickness in your body, start imagining yourself well. Start imagining yourself well. Start imagining, what's it going to look like when I'm just completely whole and healthy and healed? What am I going to be able to do again? Start planning. Start even planning. 
That wasn't in my notes. I just feel like that's somebody. Start planning. Do something. Plan something that you can't do, that you can't physically do. Plan it and start believing God. God, I'm just trusting in you. I'm going to do something that I can't do right now. I'm going to start planning it. If God's calling you to walk in the prophetic, start to imagine what that's going to be like. Start imagining God giving you words for people as you're out in the marketplace. And start imagining what it's going to be like to come up to them and encourage them with what God is saying to you. My wife Joy was having dreams that she was casting out demons way before we ever experienced it. She was having several dreams, right? And in her dreams, she was like, wow, I'm like so powerful in my dreams. Like, you know, these demons are just terrified of me. And she's having these dreams that she's tearing out or casting out demons. And then we actually started to experience it. And she's like, when we started experiencing it, she's like, well, I've already done this before. I've already actually been there. And the Lord was actually giving her those dreams to prepare her for something that was going to come. It's the same thing when we visualize it, when we use our sanctified imagination. Your imagination is not bad. God gave you your imagination to visualize what he's going to do in your life. The enemy wants to use your imagination as his playground. God wants you to imagine or use your imagination to see him showing up. To see him showing up in the situations in your life. Start to imagine it. Let's read verse 6 and 7. It says, Then he believed in the Lord, meaning Abraham, and he, meaning God, reckoned or counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. The Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Do you know that that's the same covenant that we're under right now? Abraham was actually before the law, 400 years before the law, and he was living under a type of grace where God says, I'm giving you all my righteousness simply because of your belief. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham is the father of faith. He's not the father of good works. He's not the father of good deeds. He's the father of faith. By his faith, he was accounted, it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is the same thing we have right now with Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's accounted to us as righteousness. You can't earn your righteousness. There's nothing you can do. Jesus did it all. 100% paid for your righteousness. 100% wiped away your sins. 100% when you stand before God to enter into heaven, it'll be because you put your faith in Jesus. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. So Abraham believed God, and God said, you're righteous, simply because he believed God. It says, then he believed. God gave him a promise. And it says, then he believed. When God gives you a promise, your role is simple, believe. Believe. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to make it happen. Your job is to believe. Partner with it. Believe. Levi Hug, our, our good friend from Bethel, he's on his website on the front page. It says, believe what God says and shape history. That's our role. Believe. Believe what God says and change history. 
So God has empowered you with his righteousness, and he's taken you out of the old and into the new. That last verse, could you put that up again, verse 7? You have that? And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He's taken you out of the old and he's taken you into the new. I believe that in this season, God is saying, grab onto my promises and begin to believe them. Dust off those old prophetic words. Grab onto the promises in the Bible. Amen? Are you guys okay this morning? I'll take a drink. It's always a fine balance of how much liquids I should drink before I speak. There was a pastor we knew in Mexico, and he would preach for like two hours, and he had a bathroom built like he had the stage, and it was in a, it was in a, actually in a uh, old um, bull ring. It was crazy. We were there. It was really neat. So we were, we were there leading worship in this old bull ring, and in the background there's a, a volcano, smoking volcano in Mexico City, and we're like, this is so surreal. So he, but he had a bathroom built below the stage, and he would, he'd preach for two hours. So he'd literally, uh, in the middle of preaching, he'd stop and go down and use the bathroom, and come back up and keep preaching. Everybody would just sit there and wait for him to go to the bathroom. So I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, maybe the next building. Just have like a porta potty right behind me. Just excuse me a second. In the beginning of the New Testament, we have two promises given to two different people. One is Zacharias. And the promise comes to him. The angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. And his name's going to be John. And he gives him this promise. And what does he do? He gets the promise. Remember what Abraham did? said, Abraham believed when the promise came. Zacharias, the promise comes. And he goes, how is that possible? That doesn't make sense. And I believe the angel actually did him a favor by closing his mouth. He's like, I'm not going to let you sabotage this. Another promise came to a young woman named Mary. And when the angel brings the promise and says, you're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit, and his name's going to be Jesus, he's going to be the Savior of the world, what does Mary say? Be it unto me. May it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me. Look at the promises of the Lord over your life and say, may it be done to me, Lord, according to your word. It's not according to my word. God, made it, may it be done according to your word, what you say. May it be done according to your word. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. We live in, in a world that's filled with so much hopelessness. And the, it'll tell you, don't get your hopes up because you'll be disappointed. But God is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, I want you to get your hopes up. 
Start to declare God's words and God's promises over yourself on a regular basis. Romans 5.5. 5. You know I love 5.5. 5. Hope does not disappoint, is what Romans 5.5 5 says. Hope does not disappoint. What does the world say? Don't get your hopes up because you'll be disappointed. What does God say? The exact opposite. Get your hopes up. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint when you hope in him. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. Don't lose your hope. I want to tell you the enemy is after your hope. There's a lot of hopeless Christians, and the enemy is, has neutered them or disarmed them by taking their hope. A Christian who has hope is dangerous to the enemy. A Christian with hope is dangerous to the enemy. Satan's not afraid of hopeless Christians, but he's terrified of those who will just believe God. He's terrified of the ones that will believe God and just hold on to it no matter what. Say, God, I believe you. No matter what my circumstance says, I believe you. No matter what my experience has been, I believe you. We're not holding on to our experience or someone else's experience. We're holding on to what God says. It's called faith. So in that story in Genesis 15, God gave Abraham a promise that seemed impossible. And it doesn't matter how impossible God's promises seem in your life. Partner with them and begin to declare them. God asked Abraham to imagine it. He asked him to visualize it, and he promised him that he would help him fulfill it. So let me ask you a question. What are the prophetic promises over your life? And if it seems attainable in your own strength, it's too small. It's too small. This was something, you know, with Abraham, it's like, he's like, okay, this isn't happening. What God's promise didn't happen, so maybe we need to work harder. When you, when you decide to work harder, you end up with an Ishmael. It wasn't God's, God says, you did that in your own strength. That's something you, you could do. He said, no, I, I promise you I was going to do something that you could not do. Start to imagine something that God, only him, could do and show up in your life that he's promised Some of us need to repent for small thinking. I want to talk about repentance for a second. It's not when I say repent because different people mean different things. How many know that's true when they say the word repent? Okay, repentance is not feel bad for. It's not feel guilty about. It's not feel ashamed about. It's really simple. It's a Greek word, metanoia. It has one definition. It's this, change your mind. So when I say repent for small thinking, it's going to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I've, I've thought down here. And I need you to change my thinking so I start to think up here. So I start to think with this godly hope that's an expectation. You know what hope means to God? Hope is an expectation of, of great good in your life. Hope to the world is like, well, maybe, I hope, it'll happen someday. God's hope is like, I'm expecting it. It's a great expectation of something showing up, of God showing up in your life. So when I say repent, it means just going to the Lord and saying, God, I'm sorry, I've been thinking here, and I need my mind changed. I need to think up here. 
I need to see your perspective. I need to start declaring your promises and partnering with them and agreeing with them. So God wants to give you an upgrade. He wants to give you an upgrade today. He wants to exchange hopelessness for hope. He wants to exchange, I believe this is for some people today, he wants to exchange suspicion for trust. Some of us, because of what we've experienced in life, we have suspicion about everybody, including God, maybe especially God. God, I don't really know if you're really, truly for me or that good. But he wants you to exchange suspicion for trust. Do you know how you earn trust with someone? Begin to sow trust. Begin to sow trust. And it's not that, you know, God doesn't ever say trust someone else, but he says, trust me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, the Lord, this is what the Lord spoke to me the other day. Because I'm like, God, how can I trust everybody in my life? You know, people I'm, and he's like, you trust me? that I've put you with the people that you can trust. I put you in the place that you can trust. And even in their weakness, even in their humanity, you can trust me. And you can start to sow trust into those relationships. God wants to break off suspicion where you're suspicious of every person and what their motive is. And if they're for you, and he wants to break that off, and you start to sow trust into other people, you will be the most trusted person or that anyone knows if you start to sow trust, sow trust, sow trust. Obviously, we do this with boundaries, and we do this with the Lord, but God wants us to, he wants to break that suspicion thing where we're just not, because ultimately at the center of it, we may think, we may put it on people, but ultimately the center of it is I don't trust God. God, I don't trust you. I'm in the right church. I don't trust that I'm in the right marriage. I don't trust that ultimately it's not trusting God. And so it's, it's this trust of like, God, I trust you. I trust you that I can, I can put trust in the people around me. He wants to exchange worry for vision. Do you know worry and vision are opposites? Worry is imagining your future as if God doesn't show up. Man, this is for some people today. Worry is you are picturing life with God not showing up and the bad thing happening. Vision is you are imagining and you are visualizing God's promises over your life coming to pass. You're starting to imagine God showing up. Instead of worrying, imagine that he's not going to show up. He wants you to exchange worry for vision, and some of us need to repent for worry. Again, it's not feeling sorry for, it's not feeling shamed of, it's just like, God, I've, I've allowed myself to worry and live in this sub-reality of where you have me, and I wanna step into vision and start to imagine you showing up. God wants you to see it, wants you to imagine it, and he wants you to say it. He wants you to say it. As you wake up in the morning, begin to confess and declare God's promises over your life. I've challenged myself for this year. Last year, I had a different focus. And this year, in my prayer time, I've, I've challenged myself to take the four most important prophetic promises over my life. And as soon as I wake up, begin to declare them, begin to partner with them, review them. I have them written down. And I'm just looking over them. And I'm saying, OK, God, I partner with this. I agree with this. 
I want to step into this. I want that to, to be the first thing on my mind as I wake up. And I challenge you, take the four most important prophetic promises over your life and start to declare them at the beginning of each day. Start to declare them. It's calibrating your brain even to, even to go there, even to expect the impossible to happen. Like, I'm, I'm declaring these promises. I'm walking into these promises. I'm believing that they're going to take place. And you're even preparing yourself for things to happen. I want to close today in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, it's a long story, so I've summed it up a little bit. But this is what's going on. The Ammonites and the Moabites have formed a large army, and they're on their way to wipe out the Israelites. Somebody comes into the camp, and they're like, there's this massive army, and they're on their way to take us out. They're, they're heading towards us. So Jehoshaphat, their leader, he prays in front of Israel. And in his prayer, listen to this. In his prayer, he starts reminding himself, before he asks for anything, he starts reminding himself of who God is. He starts saying, God, you, you are amazing. You are great. You've done this. You've showed up in our lives. He starts reminding himself of who God is. And he starts reminding himself of the promises that God has given them. In other words, like, God, you've promised this and this. This is not the end of us because you've not fulfilled promises in our life. Then the Holy, as he's praying, the Holy Spirit comes on somebody, Jehaziel, and he begins to prophesy. And he says this, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. He says, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Verse 17, 2 Chronicles 20, 17, it says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Now get this. There's so many cool lessons in this story. After the word came, that's the prophetic word, that's the prophetic promise. Before the promise came to pass, this was their response. It's in verse 18. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the <clears throat> Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Did you get that? Promise had not happened yet but they begin to praise and thank God for the answer. They begin to, to take an action. That all this, they were, there was a lot of fear in the camp, and people were like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then the word of the Lord, the prophetic promise comes, and they begin to celebrate before the promise came to pass. Amen? They began to celebrate. They began to worship. They began to thank God and cry out, thank you, God. I want to tell you this morning, child of God, begin to praise him before you see the victory. Begin to praise him before you see the victory. Start thanking him. 
Start visualizing what it's going to look like, that victory. Start to praise him. Start to thank him. Worship him. Thank you, God. Victory is coming. I believe your words over me. Grab onto whatever that prophetic promise is. There's so many amazing prophetic promises in the Bible. Or you may have a a word that you've gotten. Whatever it is, grab onto that promise. Whatever one you need, grab onto it. Say, God, you said. And so I'm going to start celebrating as if it's already happened. That's a key. So here's a word. Here's a word for you for 2020. This is found in the very next verse of that story. Second Chronicles 2020. Here's your word for 2020. Second Chronicles 2020. It says, listen to me, Judah and all the people of Israel. Have faith in the Lord God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. What is God calling us to do? He's calling us just to have faith, just to believe that he's going to show up. Have faith in God. You're going to be successful. Why? Because of how hard you work? No, because of your faith in God. Have faith in God that he's going to show up. The end of the story is they went out to meet their enemies, and they were singing on the way, by the way. They're, they're getting ready to go out to their enemy, and they're just singing and praising God as they're going out. And when they got to the place that God told them to go where the enemy would be, all they could find was dead bodies. All they could find was dead bodies. The army was actually completely wiped out. God sent confusion into the camp of the enemy, and they all destroyed each other. They all destroyed each other. So they got there only to find dead bodies everywhere. Ben, would you come up? We're going to do a song to close this morning. God wants you to begin to partner with and imagine and declare God's promises over your life. And you'll see the victory. You'll see the victory when you begin to partner with what God says. Stand to your feet this morning.